2: If they're playing that music, it means it's time for Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody McDonald. It's kind of a walk-through Wednesday. you are not even walking through it. It's an off-day Wednesday for the Eagle players, but the coach yeah. hadn't made it a walk-through day previously on Wednesdays. We don't even have that much. But somehow, we're going to suck up two hours of content for you talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. How are you, J.M.?
3: i'm doing well yeah i didn't think about that uh it has been walk through wednesday recently jody so not that much difference from this week I'm right
2: the, Off walk nobody, through same nobody thing. practicing is not that much uh, difference than walkthroughs um, mental reps baby mal reps okay if you tell me so uh, i guess i'll believe that um <laughs> uh, your desk okay you got any? Desk uh, no, today?
3: it's a pain in the ass. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I hate it with all my heart with the with the incendiary incendiary heat of a thousand suns. That's how much uh, I
2: do. Uh, OK, yeah, the, please don't beat up your desk. It's be kind. It's a bye week and it's be kind to desk week. I just decided <laughs> here on Bird 365. So do, don't beat up your desk during the show. We'll see if we do beat up anybody. Today. I would doubt it. Uh, we should be in a good mood. The Eagles are in a playoff contending position. And yeah, How what about was... that? Well, Four games left, Jody. That's it. They're in it. They're mm-hmm. going to be in it until the very end. Very much coming uh, down the home stretch. And, yes, they are absolutely in it in what was supposed to be a transitional year. We bring this up from time to time, and we should and we have to because that's what Jeff Lurie described this season as. Way back when actually it was what uh, 10 months ago, where Peterson got fired. Uh, and <clears throat> yeah, it's well, when
3: he 10. fired Doug, and he said, You know, Doug wasn't on the same page because Doug wanted to win all of a sudden, which was one of the silliest things I've ever heard. But all of a sudden, it's okay to want to win for the head coach, but and that's another discussion,
2: exactly right. Since they're just a half a game out of a playoff spot with four to play, hey, let's win. What happened to transitional? It's a transitional position. See what I did there? That Jeff Lurie took. uh, Because you can change your goals and what you're looking to do. And you should. The Eagles absolutely should be thinking of themselves as a playoff team.
3: I would argue you should never, uh, in the NFL, uh, not think of yourself in that way. Because we talk about it all the time with the Sixers. I mean, different sport, different setup. You don't have to do what the Sixers did in the NFL. So all this talk about rebuild, and, you know, there's certain teams in this league, Detroit has won, uh, Jacksonville, some of these teams, your Jets, Giants have started that cycle of being terrible, making bad decisions, bad decisions, bad decisions. But when you have teams and organizations like that, they're stacking together bad decisions, if you start making good decisions, you're going to turn it around pretty quickly in this league. And you should never ha- have that philosophy of you can be realistic and say, well, we're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. Right. But you can start on the road back to being a Super Bowl contender very, very quickly in this league. With you a just of- make some
2: good decisions couple of key moves, a couple of good decisions, as John calls it. All right, uh, JM, yesterday was coordinator Tuesday. I watched the videos all after the fact. I got to tell you, buddy, it looks like you and JG. Are you sure you and JG aren't going to watch the uh, game together? Because whenever yeah, you get it. to ask him a question, he goes out of his way to say, hi, John. <laughs> and he does so as if you guys have been pals for 20 years. I'm sorry, that's just the, the way that it plays on Zoom after the fact when Eagle fans like myself are watching it. Um, I, I, he is your He's your guy. Does he know how much you uh, uh, back Jim Schwartz, his predecessor? Has anyone ever brokered that to him, that uh, you were a huge uh, Schwartzy fan? Somehow he's decided that you are the main guy that he talks to when it comes to uh, media questions on Tuesday.
3: As, as with most things in life, first of all, John's only like 38. So, you know, he would have been 18 if it went back to 20 years. So we haven't known each other that long. But uh, it, it more has to do with we both both used to live in Minnesota for a while uh, than anything else. So it's more. Uh, Did
2: you know him when he was in Minnesota?
3: uh no i was i was gone but we knew a lot of the same people um you know organizationally uh, okay. coaching coaching wise so it more has to plus the area it more has to do with that than anything else but um i, I mean i like guys who uh know football and understand football can teach me about football and that kind of defines uh jim swartz and Jonathan Gannon different ways, but, you know, one's just a lot more friendly than the other, but just because Jim Schwartz isn't as friendly doesn't mean I'm going to lie to you and tell you the guy doesn't know a, a boatload uh, about football because he does. Um, so it's more that I respect their, their
2: football knowledge than anything else. So you asked him the schedule question. What's your schedule look like? It's kind of a different week. No game. What is your schedule gonna be, JG? I thought he was gonna say, Well, I haven't decided yet. John, what are you doing Sunday during the <laughs> Cowboys Redskin game? Yeah, no, I, I was mean... trying to
3: get but maybe I was trying to get the invite,
2: uh, Jody. I, I was disappointed that it did not come. He kind no, of left. Did not did not get proper.
3: Uh, uh you know, because we were talking about part of that gen- generated uh from what we were talking about because I you know, I'm, I was like you, I thought coaches are going to you know work because they always work. And we talked about that a little bit uh, with Damo yesterday and Dick Vermeil and sleeping in the office and, you know, it's the off week for the playoff players because that's collectively bargained, but, nothing with the coaches and nick kind of mentioned that he was going to give them some time off as well so i was interested to in hearing the schedule um and you know we'll see we'll hey i go back to doug you know people consider doug peterson more old school obviously you know because he bridges the divide from the old school, the way it used to be done, into the new school, and he he would do the same thing late in the season. He would scale back. You would start having walkthroughs on Wednesday, and that turned out very successful for him, uh, even during the Super Bowl season, and and the playoff seasons that that uh, were subsequent. He would do that, um, so it is sort of a a. I would say a bigger philosophy than just the Eagles to scale things back later in the season from a preparation standpoint. And then from the coaching standpoint, you know, it's, I see both sides of the fence. I I think guys go overboard. I told you that with this, you know, I got to sleep in my office. I, I don't know how much more you're accomplishing than just, you know, having a balanced life, but you know, it is, probably a generational thing, but I will, I will say over overriding. I I would say Nick Sirianni has turned out to be far more old school than I thought he was going to be. I mean, he's, he's an old school football guy. He might be a young
2: guy, but he's got old school thoughts when it comes to football. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And actually I think it's a good thing. Speaking of which, and yeah, we'll stick to the Eagles, but I, I do want to add this to the mix with you. Uh, run this by you because your football opinion I hold on it as high as I do. I said this last night on WIP. There's an outside possibility that I could, in the upcoming postseason in the AFC, root for the Patriots, which I've never done in my life. I'm a jet guy. You know, I'm a jet guy. I've hated the Patriots my entire life. Um, but I don't really like any other team in the AFC and there's no guy that I root for. You no, know, I like Tua. So, uh, and the Dolphins are a team that I've always hated too. So that's weird, but I could find myself actually rooting for Belichick for one reason. And one reason only he doesn't attempt to solve football with an algorithm that he's an old talk about old school. You're telling me Nick Sirianni an old school coach. Who's older school than Belichick in the NFL right now? Answer, nobody. And he's doing it this year, and I didn't see it coming. I remember you said, uh, watch out for the Patriots. They're right back on top this year. Nobody saw this coming. And sure enough, they're top the AFC best record right now. And if he can win another Super Bowl, it would put all those, yes, the entire world of sports can be figured out with the correct algorithm, back on their heels where they belong. Cause it has gotten out of hand that uh, analytics solve the solves the world in the world of sports. So I may, can, can I really end up rooting for Belichick J Mac?
3: Well, I, I've always said about Belichick, um, you know, I don't, I don't root for anybody to be honest, but I have tremendous respect. So I go back to another Boston area player. Cause I was, My team when I was young was the Sixers, Um, you know the Julius Irving Sixers. That was that was my favorite sports team of all time, and uh, I hated the Celtics. I mean, that was when it was the greatest rivalry, probably in all the sports, Sixers Celtics. And Larry Bird, I I couldn't stand him. I hated him. Every time I saw him, I wanted the you know typical fan behavior, and then. As I, as I got older and, and got past it, I was like, wow, that guy was good, man. I just learned to respect him and just, you know, how good he was at everything. And now I'm like, I'm like, if anything, I'm a Larry Bird guy. Cause you know, I think he's underrated when people talk about best NBA players of all time. He was so good. I'm, I'm, this i've always been that way with belichick you know people say cheat cheat i mean he is so far ahead of everybody else i always say you know you rank the coaches everybody ranks the coaches you start at two and two shouldn't even be number two it's like one then a bunch of empty spaces and then you get to 10 or something of that nature and it's probably andy reed um another old school guy, but I, I, I want to give Albert Breer credit. And I didn't even know you were going to bring this up, but I was talking about it earlier on a different show. And I, you know, Albert wrote something about analytics and how it's become this catch all term. And I agree with him because people just throw it out there as an all encompassing thing. And he mentioned, You know, what it really is, and this is... I was trying to get Ryan Paganetti on the show. We were talking before we started. He's the Eagles uh, game management coach. We've had him on before. And uh, under Doug Peterson. And, you know, it's all about finding inefficiencies. That's what analytics really is. And nobody's ever done it better than Bill Belichick from day one. So people talk about, like, analytics is this new, new school thing. Belichick has always been... I find it ironic that the two most innovative coaches in the NFL, and I just mentioned it, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, are two of the oldest. You know, you throw Pete Carroll in there as well. Um, It's not about youth or new thinking. It's about finding something. I've been saying this for years. I've said it to you, Jody. At some point, somebody is going to look at 250-pound linebackers we're out there to cover and and not do anything. And they're going to put a three tight end out there and extra and just run the football down their throat. And of course it's Belichick. It's already been Belichick. He would do it in December. The running game doesn't matter in the NFL until it matters until the weather turns until you need it. And then all of a sudden these teams are scrambling from both ends because they don't, they don't like it. They don't practice it. They don't do it. And and by day, I'm not saying everyone. The Eagles are doing an efficient job. Um, but a lot of teams, you know, and then even more so defensively, well, we don't want 240-pound linebacker. Get out of here. I don't want him. He can't help me. And then all of a sudden you need a 240-pound linebacker or you're getting blown off the ball. Right. Belichick recognizes all this stuff. And he and recognizes it. I, I think the key is far quicker than anybody else and you probably you know when i say the 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 name ernie adams you know most people don't know and he might be one of the most important uh people to that patriots dynasty uh because he's sort of that the guy who analyzes and has been uh for bill belichick for years and years and years and years and he kind of finds these inefficiencies and, and even taping signals, I still don't know I still don't know why people are so upset by that. I really don't and I, people get mad at me for this. I'm like, if you can tape a signal in game with a 40 second play clock and you can utilize it and com- communicate to your players, God speed because I know these other teams can't do it. They can't call a play in 40 seconds never mind decipher what's going on on the other side, and communicate it to its players. So I've always had tremendous respect for Bill Belichick. And, yeah, he's he's the GOAT, and number
2: two's not close. Well, That's how I describe I, it. I disagree with you there. Yeah, I think Vince Lombardi truly is close. I think those two, I think it's one and 1A, one and then there's a, a big drop-off. Uh, and, yes, I know Belichick has his behind-the-scenes guy who does number crunching for him. But if uh, Ernie was working for someone else other than Belichick, would it have the same effect? I don't think no. so. Well, I think they wouldn't Belichick- listen, Jody. They wouldn't listen. That's part of it as well. You have to be –
3: I always say and, – and I always use Chip Kelly. Because people would say Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly's a joke. Chip Kelly's a joke. I remember when when he came here, Bill Belichick for joint practices, and they were saying how overmatched Chip Kelly was. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't respect Chip Kelly. Uh, Bill Belichick's going to run the practices. Bill, this, that. You saw all all this narrative. Bill Belichick loved Chip Kelly, loved him. I mean, loved him. He 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 enjoyed his thoughts on football. And he would invite him to Patriots practices long before he became a coaching star uh, because he, he, he saw the innovative things he was doing at the college level and he picked his brain and he picked his brain and he picked his brain. But I always say what Belichick has the ability to do is take the good things from people right, and throw out the trash. And that's what he did with Chip Kelly. He, he saw the pace, the tempo. He saw what it was doing with teams. But he also knew you had to have the ability to take the foot off the gas, depending on the situation of the game. He had a quarterback who could handle things at the line of scrimmage. And that's where Tom Brady and Peyton Manning as well in Indianapolis sort of changed uh, the modern NFL. Guy's just smart, man.
2: All right. But as, as you accentuate Bel- Belichick's positives – you do kind of prove those who badmouth Chip Kelly we're on something because there were aspects of Chip Kelly and what he could do around football oh, yeah. and his thought process that were brilliant, and there are others that were just destined to failure. That there was no way they were going to work his pomposity and the fact that it's always got to be one hundred thousand miles straight ahead and the like. Belichick realizes that it's a really big picture, and I can take a little snapshot, aka Chip Kelly, and use him to fill out my picture, but he would never do it uh, Chip Kelly's way. So those who, who uh, chastised Chip Kelly, oh, they was playing chastised. You should give him some credit for some of what he did, but there was plenty to point out that Chip Kelly was woefully overmatched as an NFL head coach. That's my take on Chip Kelly. I haven't changed my opinion since the day he was hired, till the day has gone, and now coaching UCLA. And UCLA this year was a perfect example. He had things and aspects about that team that were tremendous – and he had other things that were woefully wrong. I watched him play a lot of games because I'm up till two o'clock in the morning on Saturdays and they are off in the late night game. And yeah, it, I'm not surprised that it was a Chip Kelly coach team because certain aspects of it, phenomenal other aspects of it. Why the hell would you do something like that? That's Chip Kelly in a nutshell. Nobody ever said that about uh, Bill Belichick. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. There's so many things he been in the, you know, Chip ushered into the modern NFL. So many offensive concepts uh, that people use today and he doesn't get credit for. But what he didn't do, you're right, Jody, He didn't realize the situational aspect of the game. He didn't realize the roster wasn't, you know, 90, 90 deep. deep. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to, you know, maybe give a walkthrough to a veteran player who's been playing for 15 years uh, to get him through the season. So he didn't manage this up, and he didn't, you know, He's he's a very aloof guy and he doesn't connect with people. Nick Sirianni's first, you know, uh, his his whole thing is connection. You got to connect with people. Chip Kelly didn't connect with people. He just didn't. Nobody.
2: And then through, yeah, Did I ever know. tell you
3: that story? Uh, the first time I saw Doug Peterson uh, walking down the hall at the Novacare complex. Um, <laughs> You Know he, I was with Ed Bankin, the old, your, your old sure. buddy from hey, WIP, K, KYW, and we're just coming off Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly would not make eye contact with you, we were still allowed in the building with you, um, at, at that time, pre COVID times, obviously. Um, and every once in a while, you'd run into people, and Chip would not even look at you, you know, he didn't want anything to do. And, you know, Doug comes walking down the hall. I'm used to the other head coach, and I'm, I'm, and Doug's like, Hey, guys, what's up? And I'm like, Hey, coach, I was startled. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, but, you know, at the time, Jeffrey had brought up, uh, Jeffrey Laurie had coined the term emotional intelligence, yes. which I mocked, as many people did. But that's why Jeffrey talks. Jeffrey talks in corporate buzzwords, which I think is silly, but it resonated in in what he was talking about. And and then more so with Nick Sirianni, you go full circle with the connection, different term, same thing. If you're going to be the head football coach, you gotta, you gotta have some emotional intelligence. You got to connect with people. Chip, Chip couldn't do that. Probably still can't do
2: that. And Oh, by the way, uh, that's one of the reasons why I think Belichick liked Chip because for public consumption, Belichick is a non-connector. He's not going to. And now he can get away with that because he's got as many pelts on the wall as he does. He can be Mr. I'm going to handle you people the way that I want because I can. But behind, yeah. me, behind but me, the behind the,
3: the, the, the one thing I would say different about Belichick and everybody says, Andy Reid as well as this way. They have tremendous senses of humor. Like that, that's public for public consumption, right? Behind the scenes, they're like choking around and it's, it's hard for people to imagine they do connect with the people they have to connect with. You know, you don't have to connect with media people that, that stuff's outside. I just brought that up as a nice term seeing a guy who's affable versus a guy who, you know, is, is guarded or whatever term you want to describe. But Andy has a great sense of humor. Belichick has a great sense of humor. So around their people, they do connect. They're not just the hoodie, get out of my way, you're you're that type of thing.
2: Yeah, there's a public persona, there's a behind closed doors persona. The guy who told me about Belichick, who I absolutely trust and believe, is Gary Myers, who we've had on the show uh, several times. Gary's a Um, New York guy. well, and I don't think it's got anything to do with New York, um, but guy's a hall of fame voter and he was yeah. part of, uh, they had that extra large committee, the hundred year anniversary when they put in that many more yeah, guys in the yeah, of time.
3: Yeah. And that they brought a in part of that. Yeah. Right.
2: They, they brought in non voters on top of it. And Belichick was one of them. And they had uh, their meetings in this gigantic conference room and there were no assigned seats. And guy went in and just put his stuff down at a chair and went about talking to other people because he got there 20 more po- twenty minutes or more before the meeting started. And then the meeting gets to starting. And sure enough, who's sitting next to him but Belichick? And he didn't specifically sit down to sit next to Belichick and pick up. He just put his stuff at the table. And Belichick happened to put his stuff right next to Gary Myers. He said he learned more in those two days over those eight hours that they sat there. And he said, couldn't have been a better guy. Just a regular yeah. Joe shooting, the, you know what, about football, cracking yeah. an occasional joke and laughing and everything. He said, Jody he was like two of the best days I've had in my life. I know I just by chance it happened that I happened yeah. to sit next to Belichick. But I still will always consider him, although you're right. He has certain people behind the scenes that he takes information from that uh, stay in the shadows that. Don't come out front to uh, get attention and or uh, uh, be part of the uh, lauding when they win championships. He's an old school guy. Belichick's old school. He might be smart in that he can pick out deficiencies and he may have someone in his ear whispering to him. But then he implements them and he gets it. Oh, yeah. That's why I'll I'll never look at Belichick as an analytics kind of guy, and it may even get me to root for him. All right, uh, we come back here. Uh, Mike Seals is going to join us. Uh, our number two, league columns uh, in the in Philadelphia. Two things I want to do when we come back. Number one is I want to talk to John McMullen about quarterback controversies. You wrote a column for Philly Voice, which I, I take some exception with. That uh, pointing the finger at Philadelphia. As a quarterback controversy city, you and Keyshawn Johnson, I got a problem with both of you two guys. Oh, you love Keyshawn. He's a jet. Come on. No, no I don't. <laughs> just give me the damn ball. No, I don't love Keyshawn Johnson and how quickly Keyshawn forgets like he never played a team with a quarterback quandary. That's all we've got here. There was no controversy. I know people saw it coming and thought it was going to happen. And when Gardner started completing pass after pass, we got a controversy on our hands.
3: Well, by the way, I wrote that after the game. I'm 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 actually impressed that how little Eagles fans have not taken uh debate, which surprised me a little bit, uh to be honest.
2: I am I'm here to defend the Eagle fans today. It didn't well, happen. No matter well, how hard Keyshawn I Johnson would... and or John McMullen yeah, attempted to paint the picture of the uh, incoming quarterback controversy here in Philadelphia didn't happen. The coach put a kibosh on it. So I want to talk about that. And yet we got some downtime between uh, weeks of the Eagles playing football. I'm going to get Professor McMullen to give out a couple of grades. It's as good a time as any. I know we usually do halftime grades. Midway grades. no halftime. Midterm grades. Yeah. We're three, three quarters, quarters of the is way home. Three quarters, yes.
3: uh, uh, agreed, even though there's no three quarters. I hate 17 games, Joe. So do I.
2: You, you and I are on the exact same page. I hate, it, How long do you think it's going to stay 17? How long before they get to an 18th game?
3: Not long, a couple of years, but I don't like 18 either. I mean, you don't have the half. You, you can have the half, but you don't yeah, have the eight, quarters.
2: Nah, no, I'm not good at math, but 18 divided divided by two is nine. I can yeah, do but that you one. Don't now, you don't have the could... quarters. Um, now, you're right. Then you don't have quarters. 16 was the perfect number, yeah. but I'll, I'll take 18 over 17, and I'm with you. Me, one more year. The question is is it going to be only one more year? Or is it going to be two more years? There's no way we go four years of 17 games. It's either going to be two or three, but we will get to an even number again at 18. But uh, despite the fact that the math's not great, I'm going to ask Professor McMullen to grade out the Philadelphia Eagles' Certainly, position by position, maybe even uh, individual player grades. Three quarters of the way through, and that last quarter can move the needle that much more. You have a big last quarter; you can jump up from a C minus to a B plus. I'll put uh, Johnny Mack, I'll ask him to put his grading hat on here with us on Birds three sixty five.
4: at stateside vodka every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free what's that uh a rocks glass you're telling me that bottle is cut in half you could say that <laughs> holy shit. The glass Glasses for cocktails right it's for this 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 and that disappears.
1: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven, four,
5: three. One, two, three. Because
1: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
5: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Billy the toughest city in the country. Call 215 568 3500 or visit us online at MesaLaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
6: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: On a walk-through Wednesday here on Burge 365, you got McDonald and McMullen, your Mac and Mac guys, hanging with you. Uh, trying to get through a week without Eagles football. Not easy. Once you get into the rhythm of it and you play every single week, uh, as I've said, I started saying weeks ago leading up to this week, and we'll continue to say it through the week. It's a good thing where the Eagles are right now. They had to endure. They had to wait out the latest buy in the history of the national football league. But now that they're in it they're that's a plus they have an advantage over everybody else. Who's into the grind of the home stretch of the NFL season. They're not, they're resting, they're relaxing. They're throwing their feet back up. John McMullen may or may not get together with Jonathan Gannon to rest and relax this week. We'll have to wait and see about that. All right, JM. Uh, yeah, I, I go, I'm going to pimp you and I'm surely going to pimp Keyshawn Johnson a little bit. The great quarterback controversy in the greatest quarterback controversy city in America, Philadelphia and their QB situation Oh, sorry, there's no quarterback controversy. The coach came right out and put a kibosh on it. Um, Listening to WIP, checking their poll results, and uh, our buddy Brandon Lee Gowton put up a poll on Bleeding Green Nation. No. Pretty much across-the-board support for Jalen Hurts. No 50-50 splits. No guy coming off the bench immediately jumping to the head of the line to become the Eagle quarterback it never was a quarterback controversy and although people might have projected it and predicted it it never r- rose to that level that's why here monday on birds 365 i had to go to a hypothetical question to see if we could get into the thought process of can this become a quarterback controversy and by the
3: way you 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 came up with it it's not over it's not over it's probably over at halftime uh of the Washington football team game, Jalen plays well, it's over. Um, If he plays poorly, oh, oh, man, somebody just squirted uh, uh, lighter fluid on this thing. So it's not over. I am a little bit surprised um, that it didn't ignite uh, a little bit uh, in a quicker fashion, which uh, I give – I give the fan base credit for. Look, I knew before the game, there was no controversy. I mean, I was flat out told. I mean, he's the starting quarterback. I said it on the show. Uh, doesn't matter what Gardner does. Uh, I didn't expect him to play that well. I also said that. Uh, I thought they beat the Jets. I thought he'd you know, make enough plays to win the game. And I thought there would be struggles at times. Uh, he was darn good. In the first half, especially, and obviously the second half, they just ran the football. Um, 158.3, Jody, it doesn't, you can't get any better than 158.3 in the NFL when it comes to passer rating. That was Gardner Minshew's passer rating in the first half. By the end of the game, it was still 133.7, I believe, it was the final, which is the best number in Philadelphia since the NFC Championship game. And Nick Foles. So it's been a while since Philadelphia seen quarterback play like that, even against a bad opponent. Um, because you know, there's been plenty of games against bad opponents since that NFC championship game. Um nobody has performed as well as well statistically as Gardner Minshew. I I'm shocked uh more people didn't jump on it. When you add in the fact that the personality, the bomber jacket, the hugging his dad, uh, the dude, the big Lebowski act, um, I'm 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 as shocked as anyone. Uh, I I think people just I think it comes down to people just like Jalen Hurts. That's part of it. I think they just like Jalen Hurts. If this is Carson Wentz, boom. I'm, I mean, it is exploded. Uh, so many other quarterbacks, you know, Mike uh, Sielski, we're going to have, he just wrote a column a little while ago talking about, you know, the history. You've been here the whole time, the history of backup quarterbacks in, in this town. It is what it is. Why did it stop here? I don't know. Maybe you got a better, uh, better explanation for it than me. Why, why did it stop here?
2: Because I don't have the full explanation because i think why well, you're you're right about it. i think the town likes um jalen hurts for his take charge attitude and all the people talking about how good a leader he is and has quickly become the man in that locker room i think that uh, people acknowledge that and i think the fact that give a a nod to the the head coach he he shut it down the game was only over he didn't say well jalen will be our quarterback going of course he's the quarterback. He put that exclamation point on it by saying, of course he's the quarterback. Yeah, that took the wheels, uh, the wind but, out of but the sand. Can, can I
3: ask you something about that, Jody? Because yes. as I said before the game, you know, Nick essentially shut it down with us far more, even far more emphatically, than what he did in front of the cameras yeah, but, to be uh, honest.
2: John that, that's irrelevant because nobody knew what Gardner Mentry was gonna say. You do and no one you just no. you just threw out the quarterback numbers that he put up perfect no, I, half, I, I, I 133 understand. at the end of the game. What he said before the game is nice. What he says after the game and Gardner's done what he's done is ten times as important but as what my, he said. My before. larger
3: my larger point is not what Nick is saying, why people accept it. You know, other coaches have tried to shut down quarterback controversies. Uh Doug Peterson has tried tried to shut down quarterback controversy. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. So I've I I have a hard time buying that part of it simply because why do I care what the coach says? If they like the if they think the other kid can play, uh they're not going to listen to what the coach says. So I agree with you. He emphatically shut it down, but I don't know if that would have resonated had the starting quarterback not been popular as in IE Carson Wentz with a large, and and by the way, Carson was popular with a lot of people, It, but he was uh, for whatever reason, very polarizing. There was a group who disliked him. Um, Jalen Hurts doesn't seem to have that group that dislikes him. Um, and believe me, the group that disliked Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson could have said exactly what Nick Sirianni said. Um, uh, what was it? Absolutely. What, whatever whatever phrase he used, I forget. Um, he could have used that same term. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. So I, I I don't think it relates to the coach shutting it down as much as it relates to, and I can't really explain it because that passing offense was a heck of a lot better with Gardner Minshew than Jalen Hurts. Maybe they just like to run the
2: football. and They like running there, the there, football. There, there, there is part of that here in Philadelphia. Always like to run the football. All right, then let me start there. Since we're going to do grades for the Philadelphia Eagles, the three-quarter through the season year grades – because I got into a little debate about this last night on WIP. Um, What kind of a grade would you give Miles Sanders so far this year?
3: See, I mean, he's been out for a while. Um, He's been ineffective in parts of the game. Uh, Still a good player, but I think, you know, I put expectation. If I'm given a grade, I'm putting expectations in there as well. Uh, he certainly hasn't lived up to expectations, uh, but I don't think he's had a poor season. So I give
2: him right in the middle. If I'm grading, I give him a C. Quickie Eagle trivia quiz for you, John McMullen. Well, uh, is...
3: if you're going to go down, you know, I'm not a stat guy. So mm. I Miles puts up stats,
2: but then, then what are you basing your grade on? If not, including statistics, because Miles is supposed to be the the running back one of
3: this team. He he can't get involved in the passing game until Gardner Minshew, uh, by the way, takes over at the offense. Right. But so nonetheless. So is that, um,
2: is that Miles' fault that he hasn't been well, in the passing it's part, game? am also because, the because the Miles,
3: God, Miles had trouble with other coaches, other quarterbacks as well. So um, it's one game. I, that was just tongue in cheek. And Ed was great. It was a positive sign that he got involved. Uh, he's not the best at pass protection. Uh, I I use my Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith comparison with Miles Sanders. Now, I know it's Hall of Fame. Right. I, I know it's Hall of Fame players. So people on need on to understand. On a lesser level. I think yes. most people understand. I hope, where you're going, Jody, yeah. but I've gotten in trouble. I hope. I'm trying to okay. clarify. Miles is a great runner, he is not a great running back. That's how I describe Miles Sanders.
2: Uh, The question I was going to ask you again, if you don't want to deal with it because it is statistically based, um, the Eagles all-time leading running back in yards per carry. And I do think there is a significant importance to that specific statistic because you can have um, different teams with different philosophies, different quarterbacks, different coaches, everything else. But when you're putting up yards per carry, That takes everything because it's an average and it comes out to all encompassing. He is the Philadelphia Eagles, not this year, not over the past two years, all time leader in yards per carry for any running back that has over a thousand yards. Yeah. There's been a couple of guys who carried it and they had three carries in their career and one of them, they busted for a long one. So that doesn't count. But if, if, if a running back has a thousand yards for their career, He is the leading all-time running back in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Miles Sanders gets disrespected in this town. Uh, Well,
3: and I said, you know, I'll I'll volley back to you. What did I say? He's a great runner. He's not a great running back. Uh, It doesn't surprise me. In fact, I'm a little bit surprised, if anything, that Miles hasn't had the home runs that he has in the past. But you brought up, you know, is it his fault that the quarterback is not struggling in the passing game, which is fair, but then I would ask you the other end of the spectrum, okay, how do we weigh in with this offensive line, which has been, if not the best in football, maybe the second or third best in football you saw New England there in that conversation. Cleveland would probably be in that conversation. So where does that enter into the picture? When you look at Jordan Howard, who was off the scrap heap, and his yards per carry right now is better than Miles Sanders. And that guy was done and went in front of the camera and said, I thought I was done. <laughs> Nobody was calling me. And he's averaging more yards per carry than Miles Sanders. So where does the offensive line factor into it? And that is a larger question of what, why I'm not going to look at a black and white number and say Miles Sanders is a great running back when he's not, and he's not having a great season. And by the way, Jody, he'd be the first to tell you that. He's a little bit disappointed right. in how I, things I, have unfolded.
2: I, I didn't, and I wouldn't call him great. I'm just saying better than C. And I think just generally here in Philadelphia that uh, Miles doesn't get enough credit for what he's done in his three-year career. But I do want to ask you about this, and you you kind of uh, alluded to it. He's got zero touchdowns. His first year with the Eagles, he had six. Last year, he had six. This year, he's got none. None. And yes, the quarterback with the fact that he runs in touchdowns is going to take it away from a Miles Sanders. But Howard has four. And Scott has three. And Gainwell, when you count in passes, has four. So the other running backs are at least getting a taste. Yes, Jalen's sucking up a lot of the touchdowns. By the and way, okay. All the matters down. is They scored the touchdowns. Doesn't matter who gets them, but when we're going to do stuff like giving guys grades and analyze what kind of a season they had, we got to use something, and touchdowns are part of it, and he has none. Is that a coincidence? Is that something you could hold against Miles Sanders? Because personally, I'm kind of shocked that he has no touchdowns this year.
3: Uh, By the way, Kenny's got five now but uh, uh, Kenny Gainwell, but um, it, it, it's not. Touchdowns are, are, are about, if you talk to the analytics people, it's about opportunity. So it's not that big of a deal, except from this philosophy. I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't had the big touchdown running it in from 60, 70 yards. You'd think he would have gotten one of those by this point. Uh, What it does tell you is and again i go back to my sanders smith comparison barry sanders was often taken out at the goal line uh wayne fonts would get criticized because people didn't understand at the goal line you can't dance you, it, it's great in between the 20s and the goal line everything's you can't you, you got to go straight ahead and you got to hit the hole and he doesn't do that as well as jordan howard certainly he doesn't do that as well as Boston Scott. He doesn't do that as well as Kenny Gainwell, which is, you know, a really undersized guy. It's just his style of running is not uh uh what you want inside the red zone, more inside the 10-yard line. So when you get in that, he's gonna have to score from 20 yards out. That's miles. That's they're gonna they're gonna go to somebody else inside if Jordan Howard's healthy uh, Boston Scott's healthy last week it was Kenny Gainwell they weren't even healthy uh, and they put him in, in the red zone at times um, and Jalen Hurts obviously you brought up I mean Jalen is the biggest part of of the red zone package of this yeah. team when it comes to the running game so I don't think it's a big deal uh, I just think it tells you his style and one of the reasons why Um, he doesn't get the opportunity uh, to score touchdowns when you get inside the five and 10 yard line. All
2: right. How would you grade out Boston Scott? Um,
3: Boston for his role again, and people are going to say, I would say for his role, I'd give him a a solid B and people, I know people are going to go, how could you get Boston for his role? He's got a different role. Um, He doesn't play as much uh, for what he's asked to do as Jonathan Gannon, as my buddy would say, uh, is he playing winning football in his role? Uh, Yes. I think Boston Scott has been playing winning football in his role. And that's why I'm grading on a curve here. Now, if you ask me who's a better player, Miles Sanders, right? Who's been better in his role for this team this season? I would say Boston Scott has been more consistent in his role.
2: Yeah, that's where we, we agreed right up until that point. I think that Miles Sanders has done fine in his role. Uh, injuries or injuries, shoot. Has anyone said, and you know, Jordan Howard's kind of breaking down. He hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Nobody mentioned that because yet expectations were expectations. Uh, well, Jordan that's Howard wasn't supposed to play for the Eagles this year. He's supposed to stay out of practice. One play boy. for everybody. Yeah. I, I would say, um,
3: expectations as I mentioned when I was soft, that's part of it too Yeah, sure and there's to no be. question about
2: that alright Uh let's flip over to the uh, biggest position of more. but I if we watched. do
3: by the way if we do go Jordan Howard now obviously he hasn't played Um
2: you can give him an uh, A because yeah, expectations yeah. were irrelevant at the start of the season
3: hell yeah I'm giving him an A I didn't see it coming
2: did you see it coming no shot no chance and, and, and by the
3: way, he hasn't played as much. Um, but if you want to go, I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. If you want to go pro football focus grade, which we talked, Jordan Howard would be top five in the entire NFL. I think so. That's how well he's played. Yeah, might, they, they have him at top be. five. Now he hasn't played as much, so he's not rated because he hasn't had as many reps. But in the sh- small sample size, he has he'd be he'd be the fifth rated running back in the nfl that's That's how good he's been that's pretty damn impressive
2: uh where they have miles
3: uh let me look miles up real quick uh he's he's been playing a lot better he spiked he was down in the 40s i think he's in the 20s now so he's been playing a lot better recently the last uh, certainly. Well, the 100-yard game
2: against the Jets is going to jump him up a couple. Yeah, of that was a
3: four. career high for Miles in uh carries, and he missed his career high in yardage by only two, uh, with uh, I think 120. Uh, so yeah, that spiked him up. He is uh 27. Yeah, he's up in the 20s now, okay. 27 of 60. So uh, just about uh. Over mid range. Yeah, he's in,
2: at least he's in the top half. All right. Uh, what, uh, grading on the curve, taking everything into consideration, expectations, new coach, and everything else. What kind of a grade would John McMullen give Jalen Hurts?
3: Uh, solid B. Uh, uh, I, you know, Jalen's unique. That's the adjective I always use. Not conventional. Uh, The passing game looks uh, ugly at times, but boy, he gives other teams headaches. Um, He's tough to deal with. Uh, We've talked about all the positives. Even when he has a bad half, he tends to come back. Bad game. You know, even the Giants game, as poor as he played in that game, and he was bad. Oh, yeah. He was down there at the last in the last drive making plays giving the Eagles an opportunity to win the game. He wears on opposing defenses. Carolina was like that too, and they won the game. They were terrible in Carolina. People forget because they won the football game. and he just made enough plays at the end uh, to win it. And it, it's a unique thing. again, you can't measure with a stat and that's why he's the starter. And they're not looking at Gardner Minshew's numbers, by the way, because they say, well, this kid offers us something Gardner doesn't. Um, and I agree with them. I agree with them. Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. I can't give you empirical numbers to prove that, but he's a be- he gives you a better opportunity to win uh, than Gardner Minshew on a consistent basis. Um I I think he's been solid.
2: Certainly not great, but I think he's been solid. And credit to Nick Sirianni and his entire offensive staff because they get the most out of Jalen Hurts. They, at the beginning of the season, bent over backwards to try and incorporate RPOs because they thought that was the best way to use Jalen Hurts. And the first game of the year it did, and then all of a sudden it didn't do so much. And they were able to adjust, and they were able to get even more run-heavy but put them under center that every didn't, didn't have to be an RPO, that they took some of the decision-making process out of his hands, and damn if it didn't work like a charm when the Eagles were running the ball like the best team in the National Football League. Uh, that's certainly Jalen out there running the show, but that's Sirianni and and him recognizing what they needed to do to get the most out ad- of Jalen Hurts, and i think he's accomplished that this year
3: yeah no no question i mean the running aspect of it the eagles call it plus one you know he's almost at 700 yards eight touchdowns i mean we'll see how healthy he is down the stretch i assume he's going to be back no problem uh for washington i assume he's going to be healthy so if you do sixty yards a game, which you know that gets you to two forty, he's going to be really close to a thousand yards as a as a quarterback, running the football, just 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 a very very unique player. I think that's the best uh, adjective to use to describe him.
2: Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's move it outside. What kind of a grade would you give the Smith at this point of his rookie year?
3: <clears throat> I think same B. Um, I, you know, he's so much better than every other receiver, uh, the Eagles have, I think, you know, it kind of masked that he still needs to improvement as a rookie player. Um, He's a great route runner, but he's probably not a consistent enough route runner. And that's something maybe you see from younger players at times, you know, whether you're taking a playoff or you're not going 100 percent or you're not doing this right or that. And I think that'll get better and better as he learns uh, to be a professional player. Uh, that'll, that kind of stuff will tighten up. But he's got so much talent. Um, he's always open you know, the numbers aren't phenomenal because they're not a passing heavy offense. So, you know, I've I, I told you this numerous times with, you know, the all the angst over Justin Jefferson and all the numbers he puts up. He wouldn't put up those numbers here. So when people say, yeah, maybe he's much better than Jalen Rager, that's not, I, I obviously the Eagles made a mistake. But I, I think people say, Well, you're going to put wherever he is now. He's already well over a 1,000 yards, 1,300 yards. You're going to put 1,300 yards in the Philadelphia offense if if they just make – no, that's not how it works. It's not – and that you'd have that type of production, maybe not that good, um, but you'd be near that with Devontae Smith if he had a different type of offense, um, but they don't have that offense right now. So – uh, he doesn't have the opportunities that maybe some other receivers have. Um, just a really, really good player.
2: You, you mentioned you think his route running can be a little inconsistent. I'm not sure about that. If you say so, well, I'll take your word. But here's what I think has been Jalen, uh, uh, Devontae Smith's number one shortcoming. And this is going to sound real weird. He's not enough of a diva yet. And I don't like divas. I badmouth divas all the time here on Bird 365, anywhere else. I sit in front of a microphone. I can't stand the fact that some wide receivers in the National Football League are so over the top as divas. It just makes me want to pull my hair out. But there's something to it. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. He and was
3: I think- pretty squeaky after the Giants game, both on the field. He's got that in him. He's got that in him. He wants the football. He wanted Nick Ceriani before the final play. He wanted the football. And by the way, the play was designed to to go to Devontae Smith. And that was also one of the examples I was giving him of route running. Not that he's not a great route runner. He's a great route runner. But he lost the attention to detail on that particular route. And so did Quez Watkins, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I was going to say
2: – Quez was the reason that that well well Nick
3: explained it to us and it was both of them both didn't do what they were supposed to do but Quez yes more so and Quez isn't a good route runner so but you know when you have potential for greatness you're probably a little bit more harsh and he he didn't do what he was supposed to do on that play as well uh, according to the head coach. So both of them weren't uh, doing what they were supposed to do. That affected the play. Jalen Hurts gets a lot of knocks for not getting the football out. Well, the receivers weren't doing what they were supposed to do either, so that reflects poorly on him at times, and the whole jumbled mess became the whole jumbled mess. But Jalen Hurts still put them in a position to win the game. But the larger point on that, yeah, Devontae's not, you know, Odell Beckham, and he's not going to be that type of diva. But he wanted the football. He said he wanted the football, um, and they tried to get him the football. Obviously, it didn't work. But that to me is a positive. He wants the football in the biggest spots.
2: And that thing about that play uh, and the analysis of the Watkins route he ran inefficiently and Jalen not as efficient as it could have been. There were so much. There was so much video out there of that shot. And everyone, oh, he was open. How did he not throw the ball? He was open. He had separation. He really didn't. And here's what football fans, uh, uh, just casual fans, don't take into consideration. There's one view that matters on that play, and that's the quarterback's view. He's the one who's going to pull the trigger on the ball, and he has to see it. And if he can't see it, it doesn't matter If an angle from the right-hand side of the corner of the end zone makes it look like Devontae Smith had major separation, that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what the quarterback sees. And if he can't see the separation, he's not going to pull the trigger on that ball. And if you note that he wasn't exactly where he wants to be, I thought it was not as bad a route run as, as others did, but the whole... I saw on video that he was wide open. You saw it from a different angle (laughs) than Jalen Well, Yeah, we
3: talked about it at the time. They're also not taking into account the the pass rush that's getting there. And yeah, I mean uh, understand Jalen in his head understands what the play is as well. And again, you know, when, when the route is not what it's supposed to be, and you know, as Nick Nick calls it route discipline. It's not even necessarily, you know, I think when people say, um, poor route, they think, you know, the wrong route, they went the wrong way. They did something wrong. You know, when he's talking about route discipline, he's talking, you're supposed to be in a spot. Like that's how fine tuned it is. And, you know, Quez was the far bigger culprit. And, basically should be i mean he's not a good route runner Devonte is so it depends on your expectations you know Devontae wasn't in his right spot either and that's probably more disappointing for the because you expect more to be honest you expect more out of out of great players than non-great players
2: and one of the things again that i think is understated often there are guys out there on the field that are trying to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. It's My really man. easy to say, just yeah. run the round. If there's no yeah. one on the field, if if air is defending you, then yes, you can always run a perfect round if you know what the hell you're doing. But when there's someone out there who's trying to bump you off, who's trying to take your spot away, who's trying to redirect you to get to the spot that <clears> you <throat> want to get to, that can be a problem. Oh, yeah. And, and, the and, Javante, secondary,
3: and, I think and by the, the way, giant, way, another positive... aspect of Devontae uh, admitted, yeah he didn't, from his perspective he he said he didn't win at the line of scrimmage like he should have, Uh, and he took complete credit for not...
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
3: not winning at the line of scrimmage to where he could run the route the way it was supposed to be route. He took uh full responsibility for that, full accountability for that. So that's positive as well. Eagles have no issues with Devontae Smith. They finally got a receiver. Now they got to find some sticking compliments to that receiver. And they also have to up the passing game to be able, because you know, it's interesting. Devontae was also talking about the Heisman because it's coming up this weekend, and he's was going to New York. I think he's still going, um, and he's obviously rooting Alabama to Alabama. But, um, you know, he mentioned how difficult it was to win the Heisman as a receiver. I think he was the first since Desmond Howard. Sure. And if you think about Desmond Howard, it was a lot of his was kickoff return. He was like one of the best kickoff punt returners in college football history. Um, he's he he's like somebody's got to get you the ball. I mean, you're a receiver. You're you're at the mercy of of other people. And at Alabama, Mac Jones was also a finalist for the Heisman, so they didn't have a problem for that. But here with Philadelphia.
2: If you're going to put up big numbers, somebody's got to catch you the ball if you're a receiver. Two things before we got to get to break here, Johnny Mack. Number one, um, who is the only kickoff slash punt returner uh, in the last 30 years? More ballyhooed than Desmond Howard. Rocket Ishmael. Correct so overblown so over he, he changes the game he it revolutionizes the game oops he didn't quite revolutionize the game uh and the other thing about uh jaylen back and his uh former teammate for the heisman coming up this week and be nice to end it from one alabama guy to another did you see how big a favorite bryce young is going into this week's awards I did not. I am rooting for the Michigan kid, to be honest. Yeah, he's not gonna win. But I I want to see a defensive guy. Zero. It's a nice little rooting interest. Zero. That here's his chance of winning. Zero. Nada. I I know he's not gonna win, but I wish Bryce Young is minus four thousand. That if you wanted to win ten bucks, you would have to put up four thousand uh, if you want to win 100 you have to put up 4000 so if you wanted to win 10 you have to put up 400 400 to win 10 holy mackerel that's that's unheard of that's outrageous you can't yeah it's not like
3: last year last player. year you had the split you had the you had the Devontae. Right. you had the debate mac jones split who else was a finalist
2: last trevor obviously and i forget right. uh and he I didn't forget the other one he didn't have a realistic shot because uh, he didn't have that as good a year as everybody expected, it didn't keep him from being the number one pick in the draft, but it did seriously compromise it. Oh, what? Uh, uh, my guy, Justin Fields,
0: was oh, also yeah. a
2: Heisman finalist. Yeah. Um.
3: So. Uh, so yeah. it's a, I think there's three quarterbacks this time. I I think it's Bryce, I think it's Pickett. Pickett. And uh, uh, the kid from
2: Ohio State, Stroud. And then uh, uh, Hutchinson from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and all the, those other three guys have a good weekend in New York because you're you're it's not going nice up vacation. to pick up hardware. This one was determined, predetermined. Bryce Young's going to get the Heisman come next week. All right, Mac and Mac guys here on Bird's three sixty five. We've been musing about a couple of different things. I'll get uh, Johnny Mac with a couple more grades when we come back. But also Mike Sealski, lead columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, lead columnist in town. As far as I'm concerned, going to join us here next hour on Bird's three sixty five.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half. You could say that. Holy sh! Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. disappears.
1: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
2: Champions on three.
5: One, two, three. Because
1: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
5: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
6: Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: Got it it's live here on Birds 365. John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you. Uh, Mike Sealski scheduled to join us. Coming up in less than 15 minutes from now. Uh, J-Mac, I just wanted to throw a couple of players by you to get grades at the three-quarter mark of the season. And uh, you have given me some uh, good insight and uh, debatable grades on a couple of guys. One last offensive guy before we jump over to defense. What's Jalen Rager's grade this year?
3: boy I don't like to give out apps Jody I think he's trying I'm gonna give him a D because um, he yeah look I mean the productions not there the competence isn't there um, even when he does something good like the 20yard pump return he flubs it and and then picks it up to go 20 yards um, yeah it's not good it, it, it's just not good Yeah. Um, I, I, I was hoping you would go Jordan Mylotta because I'm giving him an A+. A+. plus. Um, a plus? He's, been, he's been unbelievable, um, and especially with expectations. Um, he's been one of the best left tackles in football. He's in the conversation to be the best well, left, well, which well, is well, amazing.
2: Well, hold on. Expectations. What were your expectations of lotta before the season started?
3: I thought he'd be a, a good starting left tackle. I, starting? I even,
2: did, did you say starting? I I thought, oh,
3: I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I thought Andre Dillard would win the job, but I thought both would be competent starting left tackles. How's that? Okay. Uh, I thought both were uh, capable. I thought that's
2: why you were going A+, because you didn't even think he was going to be the starting no, left tackle I, I, for the Eagles I, this year. I,
3: I mean, where he has come from to where he is, it, it is one of the most... Astonishing stories in football, and I, 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 I mean, think about all the offensive linemen around this league who aren't very good and have been playing football. You know, their whole their whole lives, and going through big time college programs, and being big time draft picks, and they can't play. And this kid is out there, and I met him the first day, and he didn't know how to put on his stinking helmet, and he's one of the best left tackles in football. It's amazing. It is an amazing, amazing story.
2: And here's where I I hope that Jeff Stoutland's success rate and what he's accomplished with this team starts to permeate the other positional coaches. I'll put the coordinators in on this too that they get to dictate more decisions going forward. Read into that wide receiver coach. Read into that uh, offensive coordinator, Shane Steiger. Read into that head coach, Nick Sirianni, in the fact that Jalen Rager is still playing as much as he did. Stoutland came out this year and goes, my line is just better. I don't care what John McMullen says on birds 365. He's not as good as the guy we used the first round draft pick on. So he's going to be our starting left tackle. And I believe this. I don't know, and I'm not there, but my belief is that he kind of dictated that. And I'm hoping that someone soon dictates that Jalen Rager is hurting us more than he's helping us. We need to get him off the field. Stoutland has the gravitas to be able to accomplish that. I don't know that anyone else on this coaching staff does.
3: No, plus I don't know if there's any that unique. And I should, I, I, I want to catch myself because people, you know, I get when I'm not very, Trent Williams still exists. So that's the best left tackle in football. That's one of the best offensive linemen who who's ever lived. Um, that guy's unbelievable, but other than Trent Williams, he's in the conversation, uh, for being the best left tackle in football. And that's still pretty, pretty stinking amazing. And, yeah, I mean, uh, there's th- – those those instances, and that's why it's so impressive, they're so rare uh, where – I mean, think about Matt Pryor, which is a guy I hyped up as well and said the Eagles could get something for him. And he they did. did, and he's playing well, yeah. and Indianapolis is very happy with him. I mean, there's a kind of kid I'm talking about. He's a solid player, been playing football all his life, uh, plays – at a high level in college, gets drafted, you know, later round pick. But nonetheless, uh, you know, goes through the typical system and, and is really a success if you want to deem it as a six-round pick and where he is today in his career. Um, you know, that's the typical mood you see in the NFL with lesser round players in the draft or things like that the kid who never stinking played before it is amazing it is amazing and it's not just jeff Stoutland. and jeff stout is great and he's the best offensive line coach in the league or you know you put dante carnecki in there um you, you know he does things that no other offensive line coach can do but you got to give my lot of credit too i mean that that that's just pure talent. And, you know, it's not, in other words, it's not like Matt Pryor's turning into Jordan Mylotta and, 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 and even Andre Dillard's turning into Jordan Mylotta as a first round pick or Sue Opeto or, you know, Nate Herbig. They're all better than they should be, but they're not Jordan Mylotta. No, it's an amazing story.
2: Nobody's done what Jordan Mylotta's done. That. We are 100% in agreement. All right, uh, we want to get two more grades for you before we get a timeout and get Sealski up here. And these are both important for the Eagles. Probably more so in 2022 and 2023 than here in 2021. What do you grade Bon Wallace and McPherson, the Mac attack, the other Mac attack, as uh, having accomplished in the first three quarters of the season, because they were both draft picks, they're both guys that the Eagles have some equity invested in, and they've been up and down this year. At times I've seen a couple plays go, ooh, that, yeah, all right, that look, maybe that is a future contributor, and there are other times where, ooh, unfortunately, they're in the lineup. Why are they playing right now? Uh, they've both been peak and valley guys. How do you average them out? What kind of uh, grades do you give uh, secondary guys Wallace and McPherson? Well, I haven't played that much,
3: so I would I I would lean towards the 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 bailout of incomplete. Uh, but I but I were forced to put uh, yes, I, I'm forcing on. you You're to put a grade on both of them. I, incomplete, I, not acceptable, uh, Professor McMullen. Then I I would put a a D on Kayvon Wallace for this reason. Um, he was supposed to play. In front of Marcus Epps. And Marcus Epps is clearly better. Clearly better. Um, so to me, that's a bit of a disappointment. Not from the fact that Marcus is clearly better. Because Marcus has played pretty well. Um, and and arguably, he's been the Eagles' best safety. He probably should be playing over even Anthony Harris and Ronnie McLeod, to be honest, the way he's played. Uh, but they want the veteran leadership on the field. Um, so... You know, from where Kayvon was supposed to be, I'm a little bit harsher on him. Uh, He's not turning into that player. Still time to recover, which is why I would like to go incomplete. But if you force me and you're forcing me, Jody, I'm going to go D. And Zach, you know, he played a little bit better. Uh, He's gotten a little bit of opportunities since Darius Slay got banged up the first time and uh, Steve Nelson this time. Uh, against the Jets, he he's played better. So I've seen some improvement from him. Um, I I would put him in the C level. Uh, wasn't good early, was a was a lot better
2: uh, last week. And you know, it's funny because I remember doing shows with you. That's pretty much when we started. Birds three sixty five was we started in April before the draft, and then before you know, our camp was here. He had some good days at camp. And people got kind of excited about oh yeah Ooh, this 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 guy could be a contributor step right in remember that they didn't sign Stephen Nelson until into camp uh, they played the waiting game on him and got him probably at a number that the Eagles were more comfortable with first time they talked to him here's the uh, Nelson asking price here's the Eagle offer price they end up getting it done probably at about here. Probably close to what the Eagles wanted or not, because Howie Roseman did show a lot of patience with that. There was a thought probably no, Zach McPherson might have to step in and play yeah. as a rookie.
3: Yeah, I was scared about that. Even even when you know, when Zach and Zach had a had a run there, it was like a whole week where he had an interception every day at practice. Right. Um, but he was playing against the second third team. And then they was said, he playing oh, against
2: Rager at all? Could he have gotten those picks against Rager? Uh, Do you remember well, any of that?
3: Remember, Jalen had some one-handed catches in training camp as well. So he was playing better in training camp, uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, but Zach was playing so well with the with the lesser teams, they started mixing him in with the ones, and that's when it got bad. And that's when it, it did get bad. And, mm-hmm. and he and he he took a big dip. And that's when he said, Okay, this, this kid's not not ready. He's not going to be a starter right away, but he's shown some positive signs. He really has. He's shown some improvement. I haven't seen that from Kayvon Wallace. I haven't seen that kind of improvement.
2: That's unfortunate. All right. Uh, he is John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. I see him on cue with us. When we come back, we'll bring on the lead column that's here in Philadelphia when it comes to sports, and that truly includes the Eagles. Mike Salski, at the Inquiry. Next here on Birds 365.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rock's glass. Free. What's that? Uh a rock's glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. <laughs> Holy sh glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. disappears.
1: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
2: Seven, four, three. One, two, three. Because
1: Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank. When it comes
5: to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
6: Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: You got the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We appreciate you tuning in on a walk-through Wednesday. We're just walking through the bye week. Uh, but we need to uh, give you guys some good insight and uh, content. So that's why we bring a guy like Mike Sielski on, lead columnist for the Inquirer Sports section, and uh, Bird's aficionado. How are you, Mr. Cielski?
7: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: All right. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Let's get the uh, promotional stuff out of the way, because I got a real question for you about your book with Kobe, the Mamba original story, coming out uh, in just about a month from now. Is it better... For the Lakers to be good or to be bad for your book sales, because if they're good, yeah, the Lakers are laying. Let's more about Kobe. But if they're bad, uh, let's remember yesteryear when we had Kobe, and it's LeBron honeymoon is not lasting all that long. What are are you actually rooting for, Jody? You Lakers or the bad Lakers. You are asking a
7: question that I have, honest to God, have not contemplated at all. Um, I would guess that it's better if they're good cause they're more relevant. Um, you know, just because they may win a championship or they're going to make a deep playoff run. Um, but I think to a degree, they're the Lakers. And so, you know, they're going to be talked about and interested in no matter what. No matter what. Um, so I, I don't know to answer your question, I, honest to God, I just hope the people who i hope people buy the book, obviously, cause I've, a wife and kids and I need to provide for that. (laughs) Um, And I hope the people who, who read it, enjoy it and think it's a good book and everything else is gravy. So we'll see.
3: Well, uh, Mike, how about Nick Sirianni, at least locally. Like absolutely, yeah, a little bit more Mamba. We're we're about ten or so Mamba mentality references from the head coach.
7: Yeah, I'd given him twenty of the over under for the entire season. (laughs) I figured at least once a week, and then maybe some more thrown in there for good measure.
3: Yeah. So Nick is helping. Nick is helping out as much as possible. But yeah, everybody uh, buy the book. Listen to the podcast as well. So thanks, I appreciate
7: that, John. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, listen to the
3: podcast. Um. I, uh, we are with the Eagles, so you take time off from upsetting Flyers fans, which I'm thrilled <laughs> that you do. But, uh, so let's upset some Eagles fans, Mike. Sure, I
7: love it. Let's do it.
3: I'm, I'm a little bit stunned. I'm going to give Eagles fans credit here. No quarterback controversy. In this, of all cities, after Gardner Minshew, with that personality, puts up a 158.3, the perfect passer rating in the first half against the Jets, The best passer rating for this franchise since Nick Bowles in the NFC championship game. Um, Why? Why
7: are people behind Jalen Hurts? uh, I, I think there's a couple different things at work. I think number one, expectations for the team this season were pretty low. So the idea, I think the feeling is there, there isn't a whole lot at stake if you, depending on who you go with, right? So it's not as if, um, we're talking about the difference between competing for a Super Bowl or not competing for a Super Bowl, or winning a Super Bowl, right? Like that was the that was the debate with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. It was that Foles had won the Super Bowl. He was the guy who beat the Vikings in the championship game, and the and Brady and Belichick in the Super Bowl. He did it. He must therefore be better than Carson Wentz. And there, of course, were people saying Carson Wentz is the reason they got to that point in the first place. Much less at stake. Uh, this season, do you get into the playoffs? Do you not? And even if you get into the playoffs, you're probably not going to advance very far. That's, that's part of it. I also think the other aspect to it too, kind of a similar point is that Jalen hurts was not designated the franchise quarterback. So there doesn't come with this expectation that if he's not great, oh my God, the Eagles have made a mistake and they got to get somebody else in there who can win them games because, the team is set up to win games, right? Like if, if Carson Wentz or Donovan McNabb, you know, aren't great. If they're, if Wentz is turning the ball over or McNabb's throwing worm burners, then people come into it saying, well, you guys told me this quarterback was supposed to be awesome and he's not get somebody else in there. The Eagles have never really said that about Jalen hurts. They haven't sold him as he's supposed to be awesome. And we're going to ride him toward the playoffs and the Super Bowl. They've made it very clear, the Eagles, that they're unsure about him. So, you know, you can be unsure about Jalen Hurts and you can be unsure about Gardner Minshew. And so the controversy kind of gets muted and tamped down a little bit.
2: All right. Uh, How much of it is? And believe me, I can state this with more clarity than anyone else in the Delaware Valley. The Jets think they're a bad football team
7: you gotta, Jody you gotta I, wait till I put my coffee down man I don't want to spit take on your show
2: <laughs> sorry about that I didn't mean to do that to I wasn't paying attention to you, my That's okay. I was So I was so narrow focused on how bad the team I root for is awful I, I'm, I'm only half kidding tongue is only half implanted in cheek when I say I think I could have completed nine of those 11 passes that Gardner Minchu started with the wide receivers slash tight end slash backs were so wide open. How much is it the Eagle fans recognize that, hey, you know, nice and Gardner did it, but I could have done it against that jet defense.
7: No, that's that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I mean, even the second touchdown pass to Goddard, Goddard was so open that Minshew could underthrow him and did underthrow him and Goddard still made the catch and Burrowed into the end zone. I think that's absolutely the, the opponent is absolutely a big part of it too. And I think the other aspect is the, the the styles are so like Minshew didn't do a whole lot in terms like he ran the offense efficiently and effectively. He checked down to screens. He did things that hurts. It's taken a while for hurts to do right. Like early in the season hurts was taken off and running a lot. And in recent weeks, up until the giants game, he had been staying in the pocket, making some more, good pocket oriented throws and and it looked like had been developing and making some progress in that regard. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. I think the fact that the opponent was the opponent um, plays into this a lot. Now the flip side of that, of course, is that the opponent the week before when Jalen hurts was starting stunk too. the giants were just as bad as the jets and Jalen hurts threw three interceptions and couldn't beat them. So, um, you know, you can take both sides of it. But, yeah, I think the, absolutely people are skeptical of of Minshew just because, hey, you know, he, it's like he beat a one-double-A team out there, right? Like, it, it's the Jets. But we are
3: in Philadelphia, Mike. So how many people are watching uh, Jets' film during the week? Jody's right. It's a terrible football team. But how many people know that? And are they that much more terrible than the New York Giants? Or, by the way... The New Orleans Saints with Trevor Simeon and Noah Mm -hmm. Alvin Kamara, both their offensive starting tackles out. The Denver Broncos, both their starting offensive tackles out. That never happens on back-to-back weeks. Nobody cared about that. And everybody was saying, hey, how great are the Eagles running the football with Jordan Howard and Boston Scott against banged-up injured teams
2: Yeah, but the injuries Uh, were on the the offensive side, John. The defenses were fine. And I'll tell you, you you kind of paraphrase it for Mike there, how much worse are the the Jets and the Giants? Significantly on the defensive (laughs) side. The Giants have some defenders in their secondary. The Jets have zippity Duda. They got nobody back there in the secondary. All right,
3: Bear. So we'll go forward, Mike. We'll put it back to you. Washington football team, good defense. Maybe not where it should be without Chase Young. And Montez sweat, but still good. Um, and Jody brought this up, his fondness for hypotheticals. Let's so say you show up after the bye, dismal first half, Eagles throw for 45 yards, but they're only down ten to three. They're still in the football game. You want to make the playoffs.
7: Mike Sielski, what do you do at halftime? Boy, that's a really good question. Um I, I think some of, of it, joke. some <laughs> of it, yeah, some of it depends on the nature of that first half. Is is Hurts favoring the ankle that's injured? Is it is it clearly hampering him? If it's not, if it's just take that out of the equation. If it's just ineffectiveness, I would be okay with going to Minshew. I think there's value in going to the playoffs. I think it will have shown you a little bit more about Jalen Hurts. Um, like I, I had been kind of a soft advocate just from an experimental standpoint of sitting hurts and playing Minshew just to see what the offense looks like, because the the analogy I used was like a, like I said, a science experiment, right? And you, you, you need to be able to test different variables against the same set of standards. And you couldn't do that for a long time because both Jalen hurts and Nick Sirianni were variables. You didn't know what you had in either one. Well, now, you know, a little bit more about both of those guys. So take Hertz out and put Minshew in and see if the offense looks similar to the one it did against the jets. And if it doesn't, then, you know, more about both guys, right? Then, you know, okay, maybe we know a little bit more about Minshew, a little bit more about Hertz, and even a little bit more about Sirianni. So I wouldn't be opposed to sitting Hertz and putting Minshew in there. I don't think the Eagles will do that. I think they will stick with Hertz to kind of avoid the headache. Um, and see how it it turns out. I mean, you know, you can look at this one of two ways. You can look at it like this is a total, like, see what you got season. And if they lose to Washington and they don't make the playoffs, then you know more about Jalen Hurts and what you have, and you know what you need to do in this coming off season and beyond. Or you can say, hey, the playoffs are valuable. You have a chance to make the playoffs. You got to go with the guy who you think can get you there. And if that's Gardner Minshew, then you go with it. Um, I lean probably more to the playoff end of things, but I can understand them going the other way too.
2: All right, Mike, uh, I need you to speculate a little bit here because we're not there yet, but we'll be there before you know it. Liriani's done the job that he's done so far this year. Certainly good enough by me. John, same thing. Everybody's got their opinions on where the coach sits as of right now. These next four weeks, the pressure gets ratcheted up. They are absolutely in a playoff push. Whether they get there or not, we'll find out. But they're in the mix. They are fighting for a playoff spot. That ratchets up the pressure. How's the coach going to handle it?
7: You know, if if the arc of the season is any indication, Jody, I think I'll handle it pretty well, right? Like, that was how I was judging, going to judge him the entire year, was whether the team got better. And the team was rough in the beginning, committing a ton of penalties. He was making what I thought were some poor play-calling decisions. Um, but things have generally gotten better. I don't think, with with the exception of the first of the early part of the Giants game, where you were rolling with running, you know, you were running the ball over people for the previous three weeks, and you got away from it from a little bit too long against the Giants, and it cost you. With the exception of that, he's been doing what he has to do to have his team win games. the The penalty numbers have gone down; they're not making as many dumb mistakes. So the indications to me are right now that if if the Eagles don't make the playoffs or if they You know, if if they lose a couple of close games to Washington or even Dallas, it's not going to be because Nick Sirianni, you know, choked or wasn't up for the moment. The team's gotten a little bit more competent, it seems to me, just about every week over the last six weeks, ever since that Las Vegas game uh, where I I buried them. I thought, oh, this is a bad football team. Forget it. Um, So, yeah, I'm willing to give them a chance to to continue that arc and to continue that trend because I think it's been encouraging.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you on Nick, Mike. I, I think we've seen that, you know, he's a competent NFL head coach and things will, and this will be important, these final four games. It's great experience for a rookie head coach to go to the playoffs. But I think we've all come to the conclusion that Nick Sirianni is going to be solid and we'll see if he can grow from there. From the spawn but because we've had this dichotomy this entire season, it's about evaluation. It's about what you have in Jalen Hurts versus, um, you know, going all in. Jeffrey Lohr even brought up Doug Peterson. We're not on the same page. Doug Peterson wants to win, which I thought was one of the most silly things I've ever heard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here we are with Nick Sirianni. I'm only, like every coach, I'm only focused on the next game. I'm about winning that game. I'm not thinking about 2022. When it comes to Jalen Hurts and evaluation moving forward, can you do you know all you need to know at this point, or can you learn anything more over these final four weeks when it's Jalen Hurts versus Russell Wilson, the specter of Deshaun Watson, or a first-round draft choice?
7: I think you can still learn some things. I mean, look, they've got what four games left. I mean, that's, that's basically a quarter of the season, right? Not quite a quarter of the season anymore. Um, but yeah, you, you want to gather information you want to see. And, and certainly these four games are much more important in that regard than the four games that Hertz started last year when they were dead in the water, when he came in. So yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't see that as a, Uh, as a reason not to continue to gather info on him. I mean, to me, this is one of the, sorry guys, this is one of the drawbacks, a big drawback in the way that the NFL salary cap and salary structure is set up is that the Eagles feel like they have to make a decision about Jalen hurts right now. They really do because, you know, he's cheap. Basically, he he doesn't cost a lot under the cap. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to try to build a team around him? Or does it mean we we can easily ditch him and get rid of him so that we can go all in with a different quarterback. Um and 20 30 years ago, and in fact I wrote this after the the they lost to the Chargers, you, you would kind of it would be in a way be easier. I'm not sure it would be better, but it would be easier to say like okay, well, we've got Jalen Hurts now, he's our quarterback, we're going to ride him as long as we can and we take for granted it's going to take time to develop him and we'll see how it turns out. Teams don't look at it that way anymore because they feel like, you know, they've got to capitalize on having a young quarterback who doesn't cost them a lot of salary cap space. So let's, let's see if he can play and, you know, look at the jets, look at Jody's team, Zach Wilson, right? Like there are questions about him still. And the clock is already ticking on him. Even if it might, he might be the kind of quarterback that it takes two, three years to develop to get to the point where he can be really good. I don't know whether he's going to be good or not, but it's possible it will take him that long. So, you know, to answer your question, John, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing what Jalen Hurts can do over these last four weeks and then making the decision from there. You know, I think it it is conceivable you can give up on a guy too early um, and you might as well make the most of it while you've got him.
2: Uh, Mike. I've been asking this question for the last oh several weeks here on the show, if not longer than that. Uh, so I'll put it to you, too. Why is Jalen Rager still playing for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles?
7: Because he was a first-round draft pick. That's it. He was a first-round draft pick. You know, gone are the days when Buddy Ryan would cut Mike Bellamy because he was, even though he was a second-round pick, because he thought he couldn't play. Those, those, That's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. He's a first-round pick, and they're going to try to to wring every drop of (laughs) muffed kickoffs and dropped passes out of him before they before they are persuaded that they can give up on him. That's the way this works. Same, you know, it goes back to what I just said about the quarterback position, right? Like, that's what makes the the challenge with Hertz so so difficult. Is that he's not a first-round pick? They don't have as much invested in him, so he's got a higher bar to clear. To, to be retained as a starting quarterback because they don't have as much invested in him. Same thing with like Rager compared to Quez Watkins. Um, Watkins was a sixth round pick. He's a bonus. So we're not going to, you know, we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to give Rager every single opportunity because we drafted him instead of Justin Jefferson. And we better make, you know, we, we better uh, find out really and truly if he can't play. But let me, Rager, follow,
2: let me follow up there. You're right. The Jefferson Rager comparison is going to go forever. But wouldn't it lessen if you just jettisoned Rager with him coming out and playing every week and flubbing a punt and letting the kickoff land and not catching the ball at the goal line? Isn't that just bringing more attention to the fact that they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson if you just moved on from him? Wouldn't that lesser the spotlight that the Eagles are under?
7: You're not thinking of this in modern pro sports terms, Jody. The longer you hold on to him and the more opportunities you get, the more chances there are, presumably, theoretically, for him to increase his value. So you might be able to trade him. I mean, we're looking – Jalen Rager is a mini-example of Ben Simmons in a way, right? Like, you can make exactly the same argument with the Sixers and Ben Simmons. Just trade him. Get him out of here. Start over. That's not what the Sixers and Daryl Morey are doing. They're holding on to him, hoping that conditions change so that they can – extract as much value in return for him as possible now do i think those conditions are going to be are going to be established at some point maybe maybe not but the eagles are going to do the same thing with jalen rager why just cut him when you might be able to get something for him well,
2: I'm, now, not even, uh, I'm not even yeah. talking about cutting him the bench well, yeah, they then you, then a they nice spot no on the sidelines. Yeah, but then, then you're his
7: name on it. Yeah, but then you're you're reducing his value. What team is going to trade for him? Then you might as well just cut him if you're going to bench him.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, okay, Mike. Let's talk about the optics of it. So you're not only I think you're right with why they're playing Jalen Rager, but against the Jets, and we just lauded Nick Sirianni, but I do think he kind of and Jonathan Gannon as well. I would throw into this they kind of lose on the messaging part of things. Like Jalen Rager played more than Devonte Smith and Quez Watkins. I know why, because they're playing 13 personnel. He's a crash test dummy out there to block. <laughs> they don't want to get Devonte Smith at 166 right. I get it, but other people don't get it. And Nick just defaults to, um, it worked. The punter didn't come out until the last series or whatever in the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm not apologizing for that. Do you have to be better with the optics part of, of what you're doing when things like that happen
7: And Jalen Rager gets more playing time than Devonte Smith? Well, I think you have to be cognizant of it within the locker room, right? Like if Jalen hurt Rager is out there in personnel groupings that are going to help the Eagles win a game and he wins a game and they win a game and he is performing his assignments in those situations to the best of his ability, if he's working hard, that's one thing. If Devonte Smith is coming to you and complaining that he's not getting the ball, which we don't know whether he is or he isn't, that's something else, right? Like that's true of any organization. It could be a football team. It could be a media company. It could be a business. You have to be cognizant of how your entire workforce is reacting to this kind of holding up of one or two employees to, to try to extract the most out of them, right? And if the other people in the business say, hey, look, this guy just doesn't have it, we shouldn't be running him out there, then that's one thing. And Sirianni has to be cognizant of that and has to take that into consideration. If Jason Kelsey or Jalen Hurts or people like that are coming to him and saying, look, man, I can't throw the ball to jail, we can't throw the ball to Jalen Rager or what are we doing? Like, you know, we're we're wasting Devontae. That's one thing. If they're rolling over the Jets and Jalen Rager is setting, helping to set the edge on the outside when Miles Sanders breaks a 20-yard run, then maybe it's not that big a deal. But we're not in the room to know. So I mean, think that, that's what it comes down to, and that's the thing that Sirianni has to weigh. I think the optics of Rager gets more playing time than Smith, pointed out by guys like us, matter less than what happens in that room. Among the guys who know whether Rager's playing hard, carrying out his assignments, doing the best he can and is just not good enough.
2: All right, Mike, I put this poll question. I throw them up every once in a while on Twitter. Not often, but every once in a while, usually before I'm going to do a radio show because then I get some play off it when I get on the air. If these are your only two choices, one and two and two and one, not optional, the Eagles in their next three games, the Washington football team twice and the Giants once, are more likely to go three and zero or zero and three. Which side are you coming down on?
7: Three and zero. I think the Giants because the Giants tip the scales for me. If you're going to make me pick one or the other, yeah. I think the Giants will be dead in the water. Um, I think they will be dead team walking. They were dead team walking the other last week, and that's, the Eagles yeah, threw true. it away. Yeah. So you know, if you're if you're going to make me pick one or the other, Jody, I'll say three and zero because I think there's no way the Eagles lose to the Giants again.
3: Everybody. Damo said so we had Damo yesterday. He said that. I think, you know, I said it, Jody. I think you said it. Yeah. yeah. Giants tipped the scale it, for me as well. Yeah, you can't uh, do that twice. You can't do no, that and team twice. The,
7: the, the co- uh, you guys read the coverage in New York of that team. Yeah. It is incredible. Like how the, there's just like a dark cloud over it um yeah. for any number of reasons and you know i mean in a way i feel bad for like a kid like saquon barkley who you know just the injuries and the situation he was put in a position he shouldn't have been in with the number two overall pick um you know all that stuff it's just a, it's a bad bad scene up there
2: and yeah. here's the funny thing they're not even the worst team in town <laughs> the worst team in town is the one that the eagles yeah. beat the snot new, that's right.
7: new york
3: football back-to-back weeks we had to watch new york football <laughs> oh. it's not it's not oh, good, Mike. No, now, no, that's chance... what is good, by the way, and I want to say this inquirer.com, Mike Sielski, uh, great column uh, on Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But thanks, Bill Belichick on against the Buffalo Bills in that weather, not throwing the football at all in the modern NFL. This guy just drives people crazy. You saw it with Sean McDermott,
7: he's in his head. It, it, it was it was so fascinating to me, John, to watch that game and then watch the aftermath of that game. Right, like the two Bills players who get who got who players, got, yeah. who oh, got yeah. asked, like, "Were you embarrassed?" And of course, they were embarrassed. And even if they weren't, they were totally emasculated by what Belichick did. Belichick could have walked out in the middle of the field at the fifty-yard line and screamed to Sean McDermott and the Bills, "We're gonna run the ball down your throat," and the Bills did, couldn't have done anything to stop it. And What that leads to, I think, is you watch Belichick and what he's doing with the Patriots, particularly in a game like that. You watch Tom Brady and what he's doing with the Buccaneers. And it shifts the expectations for everybody else who who covers or is involved with the league, right? Like, part of the Gardner-Minshew-Jalen Hurts debate is Gardner-Minshew was a sixth-round pick, too, just like Tom Brady. And every fan of every team who sees a guy like Minshew or Mike White with the Jets now hopes that that guy is going to be the next Tom Brady because the greatest quarterback of all time was a sixth round pick, and maybe we're holding the Willy Wonka golden ticket, right? <laughs> you know, same thing with Belichick. He won a game by running the by just throwing it three times. That plays into every traditionalist who says, yeah. "Got to establish the run, got to run the ball to win," right? And and it sets off debates, and it and it gets teams like looking at. You know, who should our quarterback be? Do we have something in Nick Foles? Like, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady. Should, should, we're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should we give him a gigantic contract? And it just, the ripple effects of that, of those two guys throughout the entire league is just fascinating to me. The way they they are outliers and yet drive everybody else crazy because they're just so great.
2: And, oh, by the way, thank you for going down the Mike White road uh, for the Jet fans <laughs> who thought because he threw for 400 yards. Oh, my God, the savior has arrived. Yes. And then the next week he threw four interceptions. So, for you Gardner guys this week are going, how can you possibly put Jalen Hurts back out there? Did you see what Gardner Minshew did? Yeah. Uh, remember, there there can be four interceptions after 400 yards passing. So, I just thank you for bringing that to light Mr. Sealski. Um,
7: <laughs> Chody, you, you sound like uh, the Billy Crystal character in The Princess Bride. Like, yeah. Thank you for bringing up such a painful memory. Now, why don't you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it?
2: Yeah. I'm I'm sucking it up this week, getting it done here. <laughs> I want to kill myself, but that's okay. I, I'm a tough, uh, don't I'm a do tough that. Guy. All right. Uh, are the Eagles going to be tough enough to make the playoffs? Yeah. Is this team intestinally, intestinal fortitude, Tough enough attitude. Has Sirianni built the character of this team to be good enough to make the playoffs?
7: I think if they stick with what was working for them the 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 previous weeks before the Giants game, I, I think so. Look, I'm not I'm a I understand the modern NFL. I get you got to throw to score points. Run the football, Mike. Yeah. But but with this team, that's what's gonna work, right? That that approach is what's gonna work. Presumably you get Jordan Howard back, presumably you get Jalen Hurts back. You know, and, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to you, you ride that offensive line, assuming Jason Kelsey is, is able to play. That is your strength. That offensive line is so clearly far and away the, the greatest strength on this team. That's what you lean on. And I think if they do that, they can get into the playoffs. I do.
3: By the way, last one for me, Mike, you bring up Jason Kelsey. Um, just Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Eagles. You've been around this town for a long time. You've seen every big-time athlete in every big-time sport. What does he mean to this city? What does he mean to this organization?
7: You know, I'm going to make a, a kind of an odd comparison here, John. I don't know that there's been an athlete since Allen Iverson who understood – who had the combination of being excellent in his sport and understanding – the fan populace in the Philadelphia market better than Jason Kelsey. Like, it's not just that he wore the Mummer's outfit, and it's not at the Super Bowl parade. And it's not just that when he speaks about what it means to play in Philadelphia and how you can thrive here and why he loves playing here, that fans and media members go gaga over him. It's that he's a Hall of Fame caliber player, too. Like he's one of the two or three best centers of the last 15 to 20 years in the NFL. And that combination is really, really rare. Um, It's funny to take this in a completely different direction. I am writing, I'm working on a piece right now about Norm Van Brocklin, the quarterback from the 1960 championship team, who was as ornery a son of a gun as ever was. And his daughter recently found love letters that Van Brocklin wrote to his wife that show like this totally other side of the Dutchman. I was thinking about this earlier this morning before I came on with you guys. I was trying to think of like a present day athlete who would be that like intelligent and like emotionally intelligent enough to to, like Jason Kelsey would be that kind of guy. Like who would like write his wife these like really lyrical and heartfelt notes because when he speaks about Philadelphia and what being an eagle means to him, he speaks about it almost like, you know, he's a writer in some ways. Yeah,
3: real real quick, Mike. Two weeks ago, Jason was asked, you know, what what's what's your definition of a tough guy? Because everybody talks how tough. And and Jason has kind of turned into a little Dick vermeule He gets very emotional at yeah. times. And and he, he had a really difficult time coming up with a definition of what a tough guy is. And he brought up a Bronx tale, which I thought was great. Uh, the Robert uh, De Niro movie. Uh, and I said to myself... I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Jason. Here's the definition of a tough guy. If you can stand up there and, and, and be emotional and cry and everybody knows he can still kick your ass. You're a tough guy.
7: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's really it. The yin and the yang of it. Right. And yeah, I think he embodies that as much as any athlete we've seen um, in a long, long time.
2: Yeah, Jason Kelsey, back to being a tough guy, because most of the blonde has grown out of his hair, so he can actually fashion himself a tough guy again. All right, Mike Sealski, podcast, where can people hear it? No, anybody can uh, pre-order The Mamba, The Origin Story. Give us the deets on both the uh, podcast and the book.
7: Okay, so the podcast is called I Am Kobe. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts. It's through iHeartRadio, so... Apple, iTunes, Spotify, you get it all places there. We're five episodes in. There are going to be seven total. Um, it's kind of telling the story of Kobe's early life. The book is called The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. Get it anywhere books are sold. It, please preorder it, um, and it'll arrive January 11th. That's when it hits stores officially.
2: Very nice. Mike, always a pleasure, buddy. We appreciate it whenever you hop on.
7: Guys, I love we'll, it. Thank you so much. We'll thank get you, you back Mike. on
2: since you guaranteed the playoffs yeah. today. Remember that, folks. Mike Sealski guaranteed the Eagles in the playoffs <laughs> today. We'll have you back on when the Eagles I'm make I'm Phil answer
7: to Joe Namath and Mark Messier, right, Jody? Yeah.
2: Oh, nowhere he's going. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Mr. Sealski. Thanks,
7: guys. Thanks, Mike
2: Sealski here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back I think we'll put a bow on the show. Yeah.
4: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half. You could say that. <laughs> Holy sh! Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. disappears.
1: Of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
5: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messen Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
6: Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. All
2: right, come down the Home Stretch to the Walkthrough Wednesday edition of Birds 365. Uh, quiz for John McMullen. Today's show number.
3: Wow, uh, I'm gonna go 186.
2: No, nah, we're not that quite. one nah. 172. But we're, All we're right. I'm
3: in the I'm in the I'm in the ballpark. You're in the I'm the probably pew. not even
2: that. Yeah. Uh, so good job out of you. Um, walk through Wednesday. Um, for the birds, you're gonna get a chance to talk to the players. Your usual Wednesday. Oh no, no, none of that today. No. McMahon, you've been doing yourself all day.
3: Today is the big day of the week. Yeah, normally I'm down at the Novacare Complex all day. I leave, well, typically I'm getting COVID tested on Wednesdays. Didn't have that. Uh, Gonna have a rapid test next Wednesday, so now I gotta worry about that. Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of a change.
2: I got my shots. I haven't uh, been going anywhere in masses and the like. So what's the difference between a rapid test and a regular test?
3: rapid test comes back rapidly it, 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 it in other words we get one of those tests that we have to wait to see if we uh uh test negative or or hopefully not positive and we can't walk in we can't go in the building um until until, you get the results. We, okay. until we get yeah. the whereas the normal test is just it comes later at night um so uh a little bit of a change next week but yeah uh, I'm, Wednesday's usually the biggest day of the week, uh, as far as availability, player availability. Yeah, don't have to do it this week, so I'm gonna sit and write for about twelve consecutive hours, probably. At at your desk? Um, not this one. <laughs> a, 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 a different one. I have two different desks, Jody. Yeah, this one. I, I by the way, I spent a half hour trying to fix this damn thing yesterday. Now I got to find the PDF, the manual. I got to reset the whole thing. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, yeah, don't buy one of these. That
2: things. would that would be the first clue. If you have to get a manual for your desk, yeah, that would mean there's zero percent chance of me buying it. Yeah. If it includes a manual, that would eliminate the possibility of me yeah. purchasing. Well, something. Yeah,
3: this is where old school Jody McDonald wins because yes. this.
2: This desk is the bane of my existence. No, I, I can run the remote control on my TV. That's where I've gotten up to speed on modern technology. Desk, give me a big old hunk of wood. I'm good. No this needing no need to mobile desk. Driving me insane, Jody McDonald. Uh, that's why I'm pimping you on it, buddy, because I can tell it makes you nuts. All right. Hey, then enjoy your day off. You've got a uh, kickback. Uh, don't have to work at the desk, just write for twelve straight hours, kind of day. Make the most of it, buddy.
3: Yeah, well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get drawn into doing some other things. I guarantee okay. you that as well.
2: You're not going out for a late lunch with JG. No,
3: no I'm not going out. I'm not going out. That's my goal this week. I'm not going out.
2: <laughs> but go. I got
3: to go to Screwballs tomorrow.
2: Yes. Oh shoot, we didn't even mention that today. You and me tomorrow night at Screwballs, King of Prussia. I went out uh, earlier in the year, did the show with uh, Krause and the crew. Good spot, by the way. In case you've never been, uh, Screwball's King of Prussia. We'll be there tomorrow night. Do you know what time we're taping? Because Krause says it was a good time. It's 6 or 6? I think it? it's 6. Okay. I think it's 6. And they got, oh, by the way, get there early. They got some decent food there. That was the only mistake I made last time. I got caught in a little traffic. I didn't leave early enough, so I had to wolf down what I was eating before we started taping. So, uh, leave early and and enjoy the fine cuisine at Screw Boss. Uh, yes, we'll promote the snot out of that tomorrow here on Birds 365. I guarantee you that. All right, uh, J Mac, good show today. Uh, always a pleasure, partner. I'll talk to you in the morning. 22 hours. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on
5: your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.